Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. It is Saturday night, which is my Sunday night, and I'm at home on the sofa. I'm actually lying down. Most of my recent episodes have been recorded lying down. Can you tell? Can you hear it in my voice? But I'm lying down, I've got a blanket on. The march of time goes ever on. Hmm... Uh, yeah, let's talk about some good Star Wars stuff. Now, uh, an acquaintance of mine, uh, not someone I've actually met, but uh, someone, an acquaint uh, a music scene acquaintance, uh, was uh, on Facebook talking about uh, the Lord of the Rings amazing, um, you know, a combination of practical effects and CGI and was saying that, you know, what a... What a pity it is that we don't see that kind of um, amazing uh, use of practical effects anymore. And I commented that um, all the new Star Wars films have tons of practical effects in them. In fact, it's um, one of the things those films have done absolutely perfectly, I would say. And he commented back, um, too bad the stories weren't worth telling. <laughs> And I said, okay, whatever, that's fine. Uh, good for you. Um, and he answered, like, what, okay, then what, what's, how are the stories worth telling? Like, I, I really want want to know. I just feel like my answer to that question would be really long. So here it goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to talk about it right now. I'm going to talk about um, what about the stories of the new films has been worth telling. Now, um, uh, I'm going to go through the films in uh, release order. I apologize that, you know, I I'm pretty sure I'm going to be repeating things that I've said numerous times in the past. As I have also said numerous times in the past, this is my podcast and it's for my entertainment. So, I'm going to do it. Here we go. Let's start with The Force Awakens, of course. I fucking love The, the Force Awakens. Oh, to me, like, swear to God, except for a, like two little things, to me, it's basically a perfect Star Wars movie. It's up there with the OT for me. Man, when that movie came back with all that, like, um, just the excitement, the um, the chemistry between the characters, um, a just perfect visual style. Um, it was so exciting. Man, I was like, I just felt like, you know, Life has begun again, in a way, you know, because of my experience with the prequel trilogy. Um, yeah, so... Was the story worth telling? Well, okay, let's... Let's get this out of the way immediately. There was a pretty severe lack of overall planning when it came to the sequel trilogy. That is, um, you know... 
not up for debate. That's that's clearly the case. Um, did that affect the effectiveness of that story? Yes, absolutely it did. Did it ruin that trilogy for me? No, actually, not at all. Um, I mean, I got like in twenty. 13, I believe it was, when uh, they announced the, the, the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney. Um, I mean, my first reaction was just being overjoyed because I just like... The idea that we were going to get new Star Wars was so exciting. Um, but I did have the thought, like... But if you if you do episode 7, 8, and 9, like... But the, the story's finished. It's... They had the ultimate ending to a film series. They had, um, it's like the bestest happy ending ever. Um, it was an incredibly hard won victory for our heroes in, the, in, in, you know, in, in those three films. Do we really want more story after that? Because that means that the happy, you know, the happily ever after wasn't ever after. It's going to ruin Return of the Jedi. Um, but I also thought I'll trade that for more Star Wars. I can, I can, I can be all right with that. So um, I would say like, yeah, on a base level, any like anything you do after that um that is on a, like a large scale galactic level if you have a, some kind of big conflict is kind of like ruining episode 6 um or even that trilogy because i think part of what makes that those three films so special is it it really does feel like the fate of the galaxy of of the hearts and souls of everyone living in it is like in the balance and it matters who wins. You know what I mean? Um, so I, you know, and then when they do win, you like, that's, that should be the end of it. Um, so no matter what you do, it's, it's gonna like, unless you do some like, like smaller story or something that's not like really removed from those main characters, but then like, why, why even call it episode seven, eight, nine? You know, um, yeah. So I think, like, on a base level, it's there's always there was always gonna be a problem in a way. Um, but the idea that you know that that imperial remnants basically worked, you know, disappeared into the shadows and worked themselves back into um, a military power again, and then uh made a play to um to retake over the galaxy it's it's pretty good that's fine with me actually like one negative thing i can say about the force awakens was that on first viewing or two that was it's not really clear what the hell was going on like they had the republic but then the resistance like the republic are the good guys right but then the resistance are also the good guys but they're not the same team apparently or what and yeah it was like once you like read the books and whatever then it all becomes clear actually um but they they should have like 
I understand they were trying to avoid any political shenanigans, you know, after the boringness of the prequels with all that. Um, but just a teaspoonful of that would have um, explained things a bit better. But um, but I, like overall, that's that story is is okay with me. Um, and I just think like this. I guess it's like almost like a star-crossed lovers kind of thing, even though there was only a small, you know, percentage of their relationship was romantic. But this thing of, um, uh, you know, Kylo Ren growing up, the son of legends, you know, uh, but the grandson of a monster, and um, the fact that he had basically... Um, turned his back on his good parents and gone in the wrong direction. And then you have on the other side of the galaxy, this young woman who was battling loneliness and just was so hungry for um, uh, her family, you know, and battling this, this, feel, this feeling of being, um, of having been abandoned. Um and their kind of di- the kind of like destiny that exists between the two of them. Um, I think it's fantastic, and it's like that aspect of things grows really beautifully from film to film. Um, like there are characters that were dealt with less well, I think, but to me, like I, I, I would say, like Ray. To me, Ray got no like. I, I responded so positively to Ray that like, I wanted her to to have like the I wanted the climax, the big end of of the Last Jedi to be you know Ray, um, rather than Luke, which is crazy. I've loved Luke for forty years, and yet I'm like like. Luke needs to step aside for Ray, you know. Um, but uh, I think, you know, she was dealt with, I just love that character um, and I love Kylo Ren and they're kind of, um, yeah, this, this, this thing that exists between them is, is like a really like a strong backbone for the trilogy. Um, yeah, so back to Force Awakens, I just like, I just, it's basically like, it's just super, just wonderful from start to finish. The, just the the drama and the, I mean, the scene that is popping into my mind right now is Kylo Ren and Han Solo. Oh, it's just, like, every time I see the film, that scene is incredible. This, like, I just remember sitting in the cinema that first time and they're facing each other and it's getting darker and Kylo's been battling with this pull to the light all the, the whole film and you're like, okay, what's, which way is it going to go? And it's so perfectly done where it, suge- it suggests he's going in one way and then it suggests he's going in the other and you're like, oh no, he's, he's, going, he's going to this side. But then it switches and you're like, oh no, I think he's gone that way actually. And it, like, I could not call it. 
until you know what happened happened and I, I think it's just brilliant um and the way that that is you know you get the callback to that in the rise of skywalker awesome love it um i mean can you say like you know like the prequel trilogy whether you liked it or not it had its own aesthetic and its own like its own story and i guess the sequel trilogy feels a bit more like you know it's x-wings and tie fighters it's um you know the emperor's there and it's leia and luke and han and it it maybe feels a bit you know it didn't have its own story to tell as much but um i just think that like if you're into if you're into ray and kylo's relationship then you're into this into these movies and i'd love them both i mean the the moment that i just went like this is my character man was um when uh, you see ray back at the the adat and she makes her little puff bread thing which is super adorable and great and she goes and sits out as the sun is setting and you see her eating her dinner by herself in this super like cute <laughs> relatable way where she's like she's like licking the plate you know because she's alone there's no one there to be polite to you know um i just thought in that moment i was just like oh this is this is the star wars hero i've been you know the new star wars hero i've been waiting for since 1983 you know awesome um i think it's uh if you, I mean, Star Wars can be related to real world stuff to a certain extent. You don't want to go too far with that, I guess, because it should be something that can remain universal and relatable for decades to come, you know. But um, this kind of thing of like fascists in the in the in the corners of the galaxy growing in power while the mainstream kind of ignore it or act like they're not really a threat it's it's a bit ap ap applicable to what's been going on in the last 10 years or so i just remember like in the 90s you know basically when nirvana kicked hair like glam metal off the charts it felt like yes like the new world is here and it's and it's like it's like it's not right it's anti-racist it's anti-homophobic and it's like it's progressive and this is like we won <laughs> that's what it felt like when i heard on triple j in 1991 i guess that the winner of the Hot 100 number one song of the year was Smells Like Teen Spirit. When that when that came out, out of the speakers in that moment, and I just felt like, yeah, we, we did it. <laughs> and here we are in 2021 still fighting all that shit. Um, 
So I guess that's kind of a cool a cool aspect to the story in some ways too. Um, I think Ray and Finn, like they were never as good again as they were in The Force Awakens, unfortunately, which is a point we will get to. Um, but they were so good together. And like, I mean, you, you look at the behind the scenes stuff and they are such good friends. They were like, they are so nice together and it really comes across on screen. Like, was the story worth telling? I, like, I guess you can talk a lot about that, but it's just like, how can you not be just blown away and swept up with the amazing moments, like from, from moment to moment? Um, that, uh, m that Millennium Falcon TIE fighter chase on Jakku is... It's 10 out of 10, man. And when they, you know, that's so cool. You see like Finn just being like, I can do this. I can do this. And it cuts to Ray also saying the same thing. I can do this. I can do this. It's so good. I love it. And then when they finally, you know, they're successful, they destroy all the ties and they rush back together and like, how did you do that? And no, no, no. It's just like, it's so much excitement and warmth in it. I love those two together. Poe Dameron. I mean, awesome, super, like, just, uh, you just can't not love him when he's on the screen. Um, yeah, I just, and then that final, that battle in, you know, on Starkiller Base in the, in the forest, in the snow, it's just like, I, I've told this story before, but um, Anton, a guy that I was teaching with back then when I was living in Japan, I remember him specifically saying, oh, because neither of us liked the prequels. And he was like, imagine, you know, I can just imagine a scene where like a, like a, a figure, a black cloaked figure stalking through a, like a dark snowy forest and <laughs> lights up the, the lightsaber and It was, I mean, we just dreamt of the, this, these kind of like visuals, you know, and Adam's performance, incredible, and just Ray being amazing. And that, that fight is up there for me. Like, it's so raw and it's so desperate and it's just, yeah, it's that to me, that is pure Star Wars. And it's hilarious. Like, the movie is super funny. That's like, I mean, the, you know, we'll use the force. That's not how the force works. Oh, you're cold? Like, it's just like the jokes are, are so good. All right. So to this day, The Force Awakens is my favorite of the new era. Like the outside of the original trilogy, Force Awakens is still my favorite. All right. The next film that came out was, of course, Rogue One. And I've talked about this to death, so I'll keep it short. I liked it very much. I thought it was very impressive. There was a lot. There were a few things I didn't like. I didn't like CG Tarkin. Tarkin. I feel like the, some Vader shots and James Earl Jones' voice were off. Um, and I thought the characters were cold and distant. And after the charm factory that was The Force Awakens, I felt like, yeah, it was, it was like cool, but not... It was cool, not warm, basically. Um... 
Now, my feelings towards that film have changed over time, and I now I love it. Can't get enough. I was flicking through the um, Art of book again today. It's, it kicks ass. Like, I think that, you know, when when a new Styles film comes out, you've got so, so much invested in it and you just want it to be the best thing ever. And so when there are things that you, you, you like less, then, of course, you feel a bit more bothered by them. Um, but I, I love Rogue One now. And I... I like, it's been... It's been a long time since I didn't watch Rogue One when I watched Episode 4. Like, to me, they are a pair now. And um, that's quite an achievement. All right. So that brings us to The Last Jedi. I was super pumped for that film. Because I, I was, like, really into Ryan Johnson's films. Like, not, like, okay. I, was, I thought Looper was a really, like, clever, really... Um, Like, just really competently made film. Like, that, no, that, that sounds wrong. It was, it, 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 it was, it kicked ass. Like, I really loved Looper. And when they announced that it was him doing the film, I just thought, like, that's the perfect choice. Like, he's just, like, peaking. He's just, like, right about, like, it's just on the crest, you know, where he's, like, paid his dues He's done his last film was a bit more of a big budget with some bigger stars and he really showed that he could do it. And um it was a sci-fi movie. Um a perfect choice, you know. Um but yeah, I it 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 has some of my favorite moments in the whole um in the whole saga, but it's the only one of the new films that has like entire like sequences or or whatever or concepts that I feel a bit like not into. Um, like the I don't I've never timed it, but the f entire first probably like half an hour to forty minutes or something I think just is hit after hit is super good. That opening bombing run and stuff is so good. Um, it's so emotional. Paige Tico's sacrifice is like a real like emotional punch. I, I think it's so good. Um, they screwed themselves a bit by like at putting. I mean that that cl literal cliffhanger at the end of the Force Awakens. I mean, it's so amazing. Like you, you get John Williams' Jedi steps as Ray, you know, goes up to find Luke. The, like musically, it's incredible. The scenery is incredible. You get, I mean, you see Luke, the fig, this figure, this legend, and you haven't seen him for decades, and here he is on screen again at last. And she holds out that lightsaber, and the film finishes. I mean, you had to see what happened, so they had to real, they really had to do. Um, they had to start The Last Jedi from that point. But it did break the Star Wars rule of putting at least a year or three between films in the timeline. Um, what that does is give the... the, the you, it allows the, um, the characters to have grown and stuff off screen. And you don't necessarily have to show it. Um, so uh, that hurt them a bit, but uh, yeah, I think I just love 
I love. I mean, Poe's run on that dreadnought. If your blood is not fucking pumping, then I'd get. I don't know what to tell you. The happy beeps. It's great. Hux just being all like, look at this moron. What's he doing? And then he just watches as one guy in an X-Wing just annihilates cannon after cannon across the top of that dreadnought. It's so good. I love that stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, the stuff I don't like, yeah. Canto Bite, it... It's got some things about it that are pretty alright, I guess, but I just... I think that, okay, so you, like, Finn and Ray were, like, this perfect, like, chemistry. They had this perfect chemistry, right? And naturally enough, you, you kind of, you're going to split them up in the second film, much like what happened in The Empire Strikes Back and in Attack of the Clones, actually. Um... It, the, the second film is a natural place to do that. Um, but instead of like sending R Finn off with Rose to tell what story exactly, like that selling weapons to both sides is not cool. Or like, I don't, to me, like Star Wars is really like this kind of mythological good guys, bad guys thing. And, um, I just I don't get it in that in that sequence and it it looks it doesn't look 100% Star Wars to me and you know when you think about you know the so in Colin Trevorrow's script for episode 9 he had um Finn basically somehow getting amongst the first order stormtroopers and turning them and leading us a revolt which sounds kick-ass. Like, I definitely don't think that a Trevorrow Episode Nine would have been better, but um, that concept is super good. And I just think you could have... You could have had him and Rose beginning on that path instead. And... Um, and you still could have had the themes of like failure and how we deal with failure in it. You could have had him like trying to, you know, find, um, you know, find his old squad and maybe there's like one trooper or something that seems to be listening to him, but the rest of them try to kill them after they escape and it looks like they've failed. And then you can you could have paid it off in episode nine where... Maybe they had changed their mind somehow. You show that like one trooper was listening and yeah, I don't know. I just think you could have built something that would have set Finn's storyline up for more awesomeness in episode nine. Um, yeah. Now, of course, the biggest controversy was Luke and his, uh, yeah, his, um, his treatment 
I came out of the film a bit sad to see Luke like that, but I... I don't know. Like, if I... If I look at it from a certain, like, point of view, <laughs> to use uh, st- uh, that famous line, um, I just think, like, I don't know, like, would it have been cool to see Luke maybe be a bit resistant at first, but then become the kind of, like, wise uh, mentor that you want or, you know, a bit earlier in the film? Yes, I think that would have been cool. But, um, I don't know. I Like, like for me, where I am in my life right now, I feel kind of... Like, I can relate to Luke, just feeling like, well, man, I really, like, I really got it right, and I thought I had it all worked out, and then everything went, just kind of fell apart, and, oh, like, I just, I can't even be bothered trying anymore. Like, I really, like, I've, like, I've, it's all screwed up now. Like, what have I got, or what, like, I would, it would be better for me to just, like, I'll be helping people by staying out of this, you know. Um, I kind of relate to that, to to be honest. Um, Although, you know, I kind of have had to think it through many, many times to get to that point. So I I like that now, actually. Um, Yes, uh, Crate is cool. Like, visually, it's one of the coolest things ever. There's great... I mean... And then, like, come on. The Ray and Kylo stuff is so good. The the way you kind of um, have them slowly getting to know each other, and again, you're like, well, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna are they gonna join forces? And and you get them in Snoke's throne room, and again, if you if you are punching the air in that scene, I don't know what to tell you, like. Where it just builds and builds, and Snoke is mocking Ray, and we get that thing of like, uh, you know, I see his mind, I know every thought he has, and he's turning the saber to strike down his enemy, and blah blah blah, and then he just when you just see that saber ignite and cut straight, cut Snoke in half, and it comes at comes towards and then you just see Ray's fucking hand come up and grab it and then the fight that comes after that come on that is absolute top shelf Star Wars incredible and then uh, you go like ah yes this is amazing they're they're working together like Kylo's like joining up with Ray and he's going to be a good guy now this is so great and then like they they, the fight finishes and Ray goes alright Let's go help people. And Kylo goes, nah. <laughs> it's just like, what? Oh, it's, it's amazing storytelling. I love, like, it's, mm, it was so, like, it, so unpredictable. It was fantastic, yeah. And then to show, you know, that Luke had, You know, gone. You know, he he was in a place where 
his failure had just destroyed him basically and that little green guy comes back it's you know it, and helps him understand if you're only teaching you're if you're only passing on what you've learned from your victories you're only teaching like half the story you have to fail otherwise you're missing out you know if you if all you know is winning then you can't teach your students what to do when they lose and so that 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 yoda stuff is fantastic and also the idea that as a teacher if you do feel like you haven't lived up to your own expectations but you you have a student in front of you who could this is not a bad thing this is the nature of things this is the burden of all masters. We, uh, we are what they grow beyond. The next generation should be better than you. I think yeah, that, that's incredible. Like, to me, that's like George Lucas level, like conceptually and dialogue-wise. Well, not dialogue-wise. Con let's say conceptually when it comes to Lucas. Uh, you know, like, it's up there. It's up there with do or do not, there is no try, and, you know, all those, like, really great, you know, trust your feelings, Luke. Those things are all, like, really, you know, they're, they're lessons you can take with you out of the cinema, and I think that, 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 that the idea of, like, how we deal with failure, especially being the second act of the, uh, of the story, it's, it's a perfect time to deal with that. It's great. And then Luke's act in the end. Dude. It really is the most Jedi thing we've ever seen on screen. To, um, to rescue your friends. To hold, like, to rescue the people you care about without shedding one drop of blood it's amazing he that's that's a jedi knight he used this amazing ability to you know to uh, astral project across the galaxy and to trick kylo ren and the first order into thinking he was there so that his friends could escape and um it's I mean, yeah, that's a story worth telling for sure. Whew. Now, that leads us into Solo. I've talked about this movie a million times. Here's what I'm going to say. Did we need it? No. Did I want it? No. Was I f Am I fucking glad we got it? Yes. Because... Like, if you take out the Jedi Sith stuff and also the, like, le the kind of, like, galaxy-wide kind of, like, conflict. If you take those two things out, everything else that's in Solo is, like, everything you need from Star Wars. The characters are, are amazing. The dialogue is fun. The action scenes are killer. The jokes are great. Um, the designs are 10 out of 10. There's nothing in Solo that doesn't look like perfect star wars to me it's uh it's so good um i guess like i can 
like the one thing I can agree with, I guess, is people say like like everything you know about Han is explained in one movie. <laughs> how do you get that gun? How do you get the Millennium Falcon? Uh, how do you meet Chewie? Um, he shoots first, and blah, blah, blah. like uh, yeah, that's a bit. It does feel start to feel a bit box ticky in a way, but like okay. Are you going to ignore the other 99.9% of it, which is fucking awesome? Yeah. I just think, I mean, some people love Alden as Han, some people like him as Han, and then there's a few people who just never bought it. But at the end of the day, I spend a lot of time in the Star Wars fandom. For sure, at least, like, like most people really liked him as Han. That's a fucking, like, that's a miracle. You replaced Harrison Ford as Han Solo and did it well. Yeah. I mean, Donald Glover as Lando, killer. Apparently he fucked a robot. Killer. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's gutsy. You know, people talk about it being a bit of a safe movie, you know. Um, but I think that's a gutsy decision, that one. <laughs> I just love it. Solos are awesome. It's my second favorite of the new films. All right. Then uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Now, on the surface, it's the film that has the most things wrong with it. Um, obviously, if you do have a, a trilogy that was not... you know, was kind of put together in a messy way, you're really... The the film where you're going to feel it, feel it the worst is probably the third one because it's the one that has to pull all these threads together that may not really fit exactly perfectly. Negatives first. Um, I think they started... They, they sent Finn's kind of story in a bit of a, the wrong direction in The Last Jedi and it doesn't, it isn't fixed in this film. So he's, he's great and he's in some really fun scenes and fun moments, but I mean, he could have been like, I think, you know, Ray and Kylo are the leads, but he could have been almost up there with them. And if he had, if they'd had this thing where he goes and, um, you know, um, leads a stormtrooper to revolt that i think that would have really sold it or yeah it would have been a great end to his to his story um why did they not give rose more to do especially when they introduced this other character charlie from lost <laughs> um mary mary from uh, from the lord of the rings uh, like, I love Rose, the character, but, like, Canto Bite is my least favorite sequence in the new, in any of the new films. So, on the one hand, I feel like I love the character. I would like to have seen her doing more fun stuff. But I also, like, it, it's on a, that's on a, like, a mental, a mental level rather than a, like, heart level for me, I guess. Um... I'm aware, of course, that there's a bunch of real world stuff, you know, regarding 
um, Kelly, Marie, Kelly Marie Tran and everything. And so for that reason alone, I would say like, put, put her in coach, you know, geez. So that's not the best. Um, Ray being a Palpatine, I actually don't hate the concept of it. I just think like, how could you have been still deciding that <laughs> during the while you were filming the third film in the series? Bonkers. Palpatine's return again. I like it. It's just like you could have like put the breadcrumbs in the in the in the first two films in the series, and then it would have you could have sold it awesomely. Imagine you put like Palpatine's return as the. Bam! As the like the shocker end to the Last Jedi, and then you go like, all right, then you've got a, like a natural gap between the films. You could have the First Order or the Final Order really taking over, and you've got this desperate fight against him in the end. Awesome! But the fact that they basically like Kathy Kennedy, I love her and I respect her work. In, in an interview, she said it was always the plan to bring him back, but I see no evidence of that. Hmm. But again, I like the concept. I just think they, they, uh, the messiness of the planning meant that they, you didn't get to... It doesn't land as well as it should. I, uh, I think that the, the final space battle is a bit messy... Um, it, but it's pretty cool, but it's just, it's not, it doesn't have the focus of an episode four or whatever. Um, the biggest issue for me in that last, nah, not the biggest. I just think like Finn leading the charge with Janna on the horsies, the space horsies. I don't know, man. I just think. One thing I love in Star Wars is that kind of like military, cool military vibe. Um, so that could have been way more exciting and a bit less fantasy-ish, you know. Um, like why are they even on the horses? Like they ride out. And then like, I mean, the cavalry in like... <laughs> old timey warfare had a like a, a a reason to exist like it was it actually did give you a an, an advantage but if everyone's got guns <laughs> like yeah i just it was cutesy and it just if you'd had finn leading an army of helmets off first order troopers against the red final order troopers, the Sith troopers. Would have been sick, bro. Come on. Yep. Um, so that's really, you know, like, that's the only thing I really don't, that's what I don't like about The Rise of Skywalker. But I love 85% of it. I think, like, JJ's sense of humor and his just, like, sense of fun and silliness is just, right up my alley. I think it's perfect for Star Wars. There are like, I mean, Kylo and Palpatine in the opening. Incredible. Visually incredible. Sound is incredible. 
Palpatine's voice is awesome. Palpatine looks incredible. Come on, killer. Uh, Ray and Leia together, like it's the the scenes are pretty nice. Con, you know, considering that they are salvaged, you know, offcuts of previous um, performances from Carrie Fisher. Um, but it's good. I love um, the hyperspace skipping. I love Claude. I love Bulio. I love um, Passano is awesome. They're, like, there's so many good jokes. I just love that. Like, keep your heads down. <laughs> you just see seven foot tall Chewbacca trying to <laughs> keep his head down. It's that's good Star Wars to me. And um, yeah, I just like. That's so cool. And then Ray going out to meet um to meet Kylo's TIE fighter. That's an, an iconic scene to me. So good. But yeah, Kijimi's killer. Babu Freak's one of the best Star Wars characters ever made. Yeah. Look. I just think Almost, like, I love almost everything about those films. All it needed was somebody to step up and go, I'm in charge, I'm deciding who, what the story is. And then um, it would have been killer. 100% killer. So um, I'm not going to play the typical internet game of like, it's either the best thing ever or total garbage. I just think, I mean... After how disappointed I was with the prequels, this has been a thrilling five films. And um, I just think that, like, I've just finished re-watching <laughs> uh, the original trilogy plus Rogue One. And I'm about to re-watch these three again in the, you know, in the next few weeks or whatever. And I'm like, I'm super excited to do it. I just like, I love, I love them. Like, I don't have, and I'm not even like trying to force myself to like them. <laughs> you know, when a new Metallica album comes out, sometimes I have to like work at it a bit, you know. Um, it's not how I feel about these. I, I genuinely love them. So um, there you go. That's my answer to that question. And not short enough it was. <laughs> See, I may not like I may not like the prequels, but I can still quote them. All right. So, let's see what else have I been doing Star Wars wise. I'm halfway through into the dark Claudia Gray's High Republic novel. I think it's a young adult novel. It's all right. Which is sad to say because um, her uh, uh, her book Lost Stars is generally considered to be one of the best, if not the best, Star Wars novel ever. Um, this feels pretty inconsequential and pretty dull, I'm going to say. But I will finish it. Uh, what else? Clone Wars rewatch. Man, okay, I just finished season five and... Um, I mean, I remember having the same thought as I was watching that season. And that was that, like, 
this is peak Clone Wars here. I think that um, like visually and like the like character wise and um, just in terms of yeah the storytelling and everything, it's like Clone Wars doesn't really get much better than that. Um, it is horribly sad, and I I I really think that. Like some, like Revenge of the Sith is often considered the best of the prequel films, and I get, I think I agree with that. Um, but one thing that it just drops the ball on massively for me is Anakin's turn. Like it just the steps aren't there, and then when he does it, it just it doesn't make sense. Um, but that arc. The Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order arc really contributes well to that story. Because even though, like, the evidence looks really bad against Ahsoka, you know, like, Anakin, he is trying to to help her and work out, you know, what really happened and stuff. But uh, at the same time, he has to follow follow the rules and he has to follow the the Jedi Order line. And when it turns out she was absolutely right and someone was trying to set her up and the Jedi, Jedi Order had not backed her up and that she then leaves and leaves him. And it's their fucking fault, basically. At least, especially from his perspective. Like, that's a betrayal for, by the by the Order. Like, they betrayed... The, like, there's Padme, there's Obi-Wan, and there's Ahsoka. That, that's his family, basically. Those are the closest people to him. And one of them it was, like, walked out of his life because of what the Jedi Order did to him. Or, like, not did to him. The, the fact that they didn't trust Ahsoka... didn't give him you know the time to 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 work out what was really going on i just think that if you have to get from an anakin who's a part of the jedi order to an anakin who is hunting down and killing jedi this is a really brilliant step to add it really makes a like it. It really helps sell, the, you know, why Anakin was so disappointed and disillusioned by the by the by by Episode Three. Um. So yeah. Um, I think that if I ever get to the to the, the that point with my uh, prequels rewrite. Uh, retelling, I should say. Um, I think, I think I would like to include that. I just think it it's a really smart way to help get him from the you know point A to B in that way, and it's really beautifully made, really great, visually incredible, and great performances and really good. All right, okay. Here's something 
that has occurred to me recently. So, C-3PO, icon. Um, he seems to be bad at everything, but one thing that he is apparently good at is languages. He, he states on multiple occasions that um, he is fluent in over six million forms of communication. Isn't that great? So um, okay, I'm just going to play you. Okay, this is from The Empire Strikes Back. Just to remind everyone of um, how C-3PO likes to drop this fact into conversation. Sir, I am fluent in six million forms of communication. This signal is not used by the Alliance. It could be an Imperial code. Wow, doesn't that sound impressive? Well, <laughs> think about this. All right, he mentions this you know, throughout, the, throughout the films. And then finally, we get to Return of the Jedi. And we actually get to hear C-3PO uh, being, quote-unquote, fluent in over six million forms of communication. Let's take a listen to how that sounds. Goodness gracious me. Dude, he sucks. <laughs> Listen to that. Sounds like a dude with like a phrase book. Like, um, uh, uh. Oh, I, I just, I haven't heard anyone mention this before that he, he, he kind of sucks at his job, actually. All right, what about when he, uh, when he's speaking to uh, the, the Ewoks? Let's take a listen to that. I mean, <laughs> slightly better, I guess, but it's still horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. Like, the, this is the one thing he's supposed to be good at, and he is terrible at it. All right. We're going to... Uh, I had one thing from the costumes book that I wanted to share. Um, this is regarding Scout Troopers from Return of the Jedi. Um, I just want to... I'm just... Sorry, just had to grab the book. Yeah, move that microphone. All right. Um, I thought uh, this... This little uh, detail gives a kind of an interesting little kind of insight into the realities of filmmaking. It's re I always like record in kind of low light because this is my like way of enjoying myself and relaxing. So I don't want to have all the lights on, but then I can barely read. Let's see how I go. Yeah. All right, here we go. The Biker Scout's face was a drastic improvement over the Stormtrooper's face insofar as it had the ability to open up and clear the actor's vision. All right, so, yeah, uh, if you're familiar with Scout Troopers, you know that the, the entire f kind of front of it can flip up. Um, let's continue. Um... The flip-up face was actually born during a conversation I had with George, 
Rodis Gemero recalls. He was complaining about the fact that normally, when he is ready to go to call for action, the stormtroopers have to put their helmets on because they don't like to put their helmet on until the last minute. George was saying, Oh my God, the, t- the time they cost me. So I go, There's a roundabout way of solving that just to make a flip open face mask so they're always wearing the helmet and make sure it's comfortable. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Like, this is, you know, it's a design aspect that, you know, a lot of us have been aware of for decades. Um, and it was actually born of the fact that, you know, the the extras playing Stormtroopers didn't want to keep this, like, hot, uncomfortable and, you know, difficult to see in helmet on the entire day. So uh, when they would, like, call, all right, everyone in position, they, they would then... Sp- it would take them like five minutes every time to get their helmets back on. So uh, let's do it this way instead. Pretty smart. All right. Let's do uh, a bit of a game of Guess That Sound. All righty, all righty, all righty. Here we go. I'm going to just crank it up. Let's see. All right. Sound effect number is 27. Or no, did we do that? Let's have a listen. I don't need to check that. That is the uh, torture droid device from um, episode four. Let's do number 19, a number that has some uh, significance to readers of uh, Stephen King books. Let's listen again. Ah, oh, that's not, nah, I don't get, I don't know. It sounds like some kind of probe or. Let's check. Okay, number 19. Mm. Uh huh. Apparently it is. R2-D2's hologram injection, uh, projection. Wow, there we go, we learned something. Let's go, uh, let's do another one. Uh, let's go a bit up in the numbers. All right, here we go, 80 for the Empire Strikes Back. I'm going to guess that is snow speeders and their blasters. No, I'm, I'm wrong. Just a moment. It's maybe X-Wings and their blasters instead. Yep. X-Wings and their blasters. All right. Is there one more? This is going to be number 140. That, I think, is a Gamorrean guard getting eaten by a Rancor. 140. Oops. Let's check it out. 
<laughs> Sorry, this is <laughs> champagne podcasting here. 140, 140. Hello. Yes, it is the Gamorian Guard. Doesn't say specifically that it was like them getting eaten by the rancor, but yes, Gamorian guards nonetheless. All right, let's do this. Let's watch some solo. Now, as usual, I don't know where we're up to. Let's hit resume on the mighty Disney Plus, which I've. Ah, yeah. They've just finished the Kessel, like, uh, they've just escaped from Kessel, or they are, yeah, they're just taken off, but it's, you see, like, Han in the cockpit, or in the, not in the cockpit, in the driver's seat, pilot seat of the Millennium Falcon for the first time. Ah, here we go. Ah, this is a sad way to start off, you get the L3's demise. Phoebe Waller-Bridge has just been announced to uh, star along with, alongside Harrison Ford in the next Indiana Jones film. Ah, I like Indiana Jones well enough, but it's not a big deal to me. But um, I love her as L3, so always a pleasure to see more of her. I haven't seen Fleabag. <laughs> I really got to get on that, but it's just... It must be on some streaming service that I don't have. Ah, oh, that moment's oh, oh, so hard to watch. Where like Kira and Chewie are in, and he says to Kira, "Could use a co-pilot." And Kira sits sits in the co-pilot seat, and Chewie has to sit in the in the back, the back. Uh, what is it in the back seat there? Ah, that's not not right. But uh, yeah, this is this sequence gets really good. Here we go. I love that they use the um, the evil empire theme there from episode four. Just good to see a star destroyer. Mm. <laughs> Great! It's so fun watching Han being. Wrong. All right, here we go. So just amazing aerial acrobatics. I remember um, before the film came out, they actually released a chunk of this, like a good two minutes or something of this sequence. And I remember it came across as being really like stilted and... Mm. Weird. I don't know. And I just felt like, oof, this doesn't look good, actually. Oh, no. Uh, but, you know, it just, I think when you watch scenes out of context, they can come across as weird sometimes. Anyway, uh, so here we have, like, it basically finally explains, like, this whole, like, parsecs and blah, blah stuff. So parsec is a unit of distance. So 
you know, the way he says it in episode four, like the, the Millennium Falcons, the ship that did the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs, it sounds like a unit of time, which it's not. Um, but what it is basically is like a big part of being a good pilot um, or having a good ship is like basically being good at navigating hyperspace. And the, the faster you can, like the shorter distances you can jump safely the faster you are you know so he goes through this totally ridiculous like howling maelstrom full of junk and monsters and shit which no one would ever survive that's why he's I, okay i gotta shut up this Woo! there you go beckett in the gun turret like yeah these shots are super good. I mean, the sound design, of course, is a 10 out of 10. And you start to see how the Millennium Falcon ended up looking the way it does. Like that, that one where he actually, like, barrel rolls the Falcon to knock the TIE Fighter into another asteroid. 10 out of 10. I love it. Look, this... Ah! This is great. Listen to this. This is where, like, he asks Kira to, to do some co-pilot shit and she doesn't know what to do it. <laughs> that, like, they like, how did, Chewie, how do you know how to fly? You're 190 years old? You look great. Look at that. You got Han and Chewie in the in the cockpit flying the Falcon together for the first time. Come on! If you love Star Wars, how can you not love that? You've got the uh, asteroid... Listen to this though, hang on. <laughs> we just lost the cannon and I really hurt my thumbs. <laughs> That is a gold line. I love it. Ah, again, like, I just... This could all be, like, just okay, and because it's Star Wars, I would still totally love it. But, um... Yeah. Yes. This particular maneuver where he like basically puts the landing gear down and then like scrapes himself across an asteroid that kicks up a bunch of junk, which then the TIE fighter like runs into, which like causes it to crash. To be honest, I got a bit confused. I didn't really understand what the hell was going on in that scene, in that shot. But uh, I've seen this movie <laughs> once or twice now, so uh, now I'm familiar. Poor Lando, K Kira. Um, using one of his custom capes to put out a fire. Very sad. Alright, let's talk about this. So, they're connecting... So, like, part of what made L3 a, a valuable member of the crew of the Falcon was that she was the best navigator in the galaxy. She had the best navigation computer. So, they... You know, a big part of her thing is fighting for droid rights and whatever. 
And then they take her navigational computer, basically, and hook it up to the to the Falcon. Thereby, you know, some people feel like trapping her in the Falcon forever, which is like this nightmarish situation for a being that was, you know, constantly fighting for its right to be independent. Yeah, I guess so. But she was she was dead. <laughs> Don't know if you caught that part. Um, and this part of her, you know, it's a way for a part of her to live on, at least. I don't think we need to get too um, wound up about that. This thing where they run into this, like, Cthulhu-type monster. This is great. Like, I love that it makes no sense. Like, this is just this huge, horrendous tentacle monster living in the vacuum of space and it's just like the size of it and how many eyes it has and how many teeth it has is just like this perfectly just horrendous creature and then this like this gravity well I just think like I just from this section with the uh, with inject ah Look at that! I love this trick with the ejecting the escape pod. Bam! The Falcon looks like the Falcon again. Like how, the, you know, the way we know it. And now this creature gets sucked into the gravity well. So good. I just love like all these all the Falcon interiors just look perfect. I love how they're like there are some like some of the musical stuff here is like straight out of monster movies. It's kind of like kind of but um Ah, oh, Chewie. I've said it before, but this is like visually best Chewie we've ever had. I just like, ah. Oh. Once we have lined up, it's gonna be a straight shot. As soon as that coaxium ignites, we're gonna tear out of here. And the second we're clear of the maelstrom, we jump to light speed. <laughs> This is great, this bit. Just this kind of like the, the ticking clock and... Like... Woody Harrelson does a really good stack there. It looked like... I don't know, I don't know the uh, details of how they did that stunt where he like takes a, a good face plant running down the corridor there. It looks very realistic. There we go, there's that. Ah, oh, where like... You can see like... That creature's face being pulled off, basically. Good, horrific stuff. Like, just the the level there. <laughs> the poor falcons, that radar dish getting pulled off. They just can't seem to keep that thing attached. Okay, here we go. Three, two. Now. 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 
this CG shot is a bit un-Star Wars, but I'll, I'll allow it. And then you think it's like, yes, they're saved, and then the Falcon just craps out, and then you just see it like drifting straight towards the moor, and then BAM! At the last second, it actually works. I th See, that's good. You know, like, just to like... Stop you from like assuming, you know, like. Mm, it's so good. And then the callback to that opening chase scene that he had with Kira, where they like flip the thing sideways, and I just think it's a really. There you go. Done. All right, we're gonna pause there. Woo-wee! So! Uh, damn, that was a lot of me talking. I, got, I gotta get guests on again sometime. I just, like... At the moment, I'm pretty, uh... I don't know. I think, like, once the new TV shows start pouring in, then uh, there's gonna be a lot to talk about with other people. But, uh, thanks for listening. As always, I know you don't have to. <laughs> so I appreciate it. If you uh, lend your lend me your ears from time to time, all right. Thanks. We'll be back next next week, I guess. I I don't know why I say that. Like I make these when I feel like them. Feel like it. Oh, it's time for bed. Stars on for everyone, especially me. Like me.